listen, everybody, listen. Before literally anything else today, I need to tell you all that I just got word I am officially sponsored by Podbean Publishing as a featured podcast. That's front page bragging rights. They have an official read for me, so you guys know it's legit. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Download your free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. Now, do I sound smoother? That's not the sweet smoothness of recognition from a broadcasting company. No, that's because Douglas Smythe taught me how to get the best shave of my life. Douglas and his company, Phoenix Shaving, have been featured in magazines such as Forbes, Modern Vintage, and Cigars and Spirits. Before I go any further, I need to say that everything in this episode is as much for women as it is for men. We definitely discuss facial shaving a lot, and we gear it towards the men aspect, but as we get to, it's because it's the most difficult area of the body with the most stubborn hair. Please don't be deterred. I hate razor burn, and I want all of my precious listeners to have happier skin and happier lives. Anyway, Douglas is the co-host of the popular morning show I'd Lather Be Shaving, and organizer of the Big Shave Swest, a yearly shave festival held each year outside of Los Angeles in sunny Mesa, Arizona. Aside from all that, Douglas has also developed a Phoenix Shaving Universe, and due to the cult following, the most recent three have been published in 2021, available in both paperback and ebook. Fans of sci-fi and the paranormal are really enjoying them, and quote, sales have been kind of off the hook. Let's end Razorburn. Forever. Please? Welcome to the show, Douglas Smythe. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on. Um, why don't you tell everybody listening about yourself? Jeez, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Douglas Smythe from phoenixshaving.com. I'm co-founder of Phoenix Shaving. Been at this for, well, in a few months, it'll be 10 years. But um, it's a male grooming site, in particular, wet shaving, uh, traditional wet shaving. So... That's been at my focus for 10 years, trying to create really an awareness around the return to traditional wet shaving, means of shaving without relying on the one-size-fits-all cookie cutter, cartridge razors, and, and whatnot, and goo-in-a-can propellant-loaded gunk. I'm trying to teach people the right way to shave and uh, just get people away from the wrong way to shave, because more than, often than not, most men, and even women, hate shaving. And the reason is they've just been using the wrong tools for the job. So it's just been my mission 
again for the last 10 years to educate the masses when it comes to this <laughs> nice. in a nutshell that's that's about me yeah no i love it what got you started down this route uh well let's see that's you know i really got my first start in all of this like just you know it's i've taken pretty much different aspects of my life and combined it into the business model uh that's the a tip right there when you do that it's never never work it's just part of your interest and uh it makes for an easier easier job i guess you could say but um i created my first perfume when i was about eight or nine years old uh, with a chemistry set for, for my mother for mother's day she still owns that perfume if that tells you anything about the quality of it but uh <laughs> that was my first stab at perfuming and when it comes to traditional shaving, I began that, began and ended that with my dad when I was very young. He used to uh, use my grandfather's safety razors, which he inherited, and uh, he would set me up next to him at the, at the, I'm sorry, the bathroom sink on a little stepping stool and lather me up and give me one of the razors minus the blade, and we'd both go at it, you know, and he'd show me different technique. I didn't realize at the time. I was just shaving with my dad, but it was something he did on the weekend that I found fascinating, and for the longest while, I was just standing there watching him from the door until he pulled me in. That went on, you know, until I was probably about 10. I don't even know how old, but uh, just like everyone else, I when I was time to shave, I started with a cartridge razor, partly due to the fact that it was mailed to me. I don't know if you got one in the mail when you turned 18, but they yep. have our information. They have, I think it has to do with the uh, civil service. Um, so they know when you're 18, they, they immediately get you with the free cartridge razor. And so like everyone else, I started with that when it came to shaving time, but I was using a shave brush still. So I always stuck to that for one reason or another. I don't even know if it was to maybe to be different or whatnot, but just something that worked for me. And I preferred it to goo in a can because it made for hot lather. And uh, I just found that made for a better shave as well. So that's how I began. And eventually about 20 years ago, maybe a little more, uh, returned to using safety razors again, because I became, you know, I'm a collector. I collected comics, coins, stamps, everything. And antique razors eventually made their way into the mix. And it wasn't until I figured out that these shave just as good today as they did 75 years ago when they came off the assembly line that I became really interested because this was the first time like an antique wasn't just decorative, it was form and function. So that was really, really appealing to me. And as the internet grew in its popularity, it gave us access to these tools once again, and these blades that you couldn't find in the 90s, especially, they were just done. So that's how I slowly crawled my way back to a better way of shaving. Yeah. And uh, you're going to hate me because I still use a cartridge razor. <laughs> I don't hate you. I understand you. I forgive you for you know not what you use. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You said shave brush and I'm like, I don't know what a shave brush is. <laughs> yeah. I'll have, I have a few actually here that your listening audience can't hear, but this is a okay. shaving brush. This there is a go. vintage one. So I wouldn't necessarily use this one on my face only because unlike razors, brushes don't age so well, being that most of them, a majority of them anyways, are made out of animal hair. So they get just like regular hair, they get dry and they brittle and they can crack and so on and so forth. So we now use synthetic ones. Actually, here's one of mine. Oh, there you go. See, yeah, I at least recognize forever. it. Yes, and that's familiar. important. <laughs> and you know, and that's the thing is they're becoming more and more familiar to folks because there is a return to traditional wet shaving. So you start seeing these popping up in pharmacies and supermarkets here and there. You'll see brushes. They may not be the highest quality or the best ones to start with, but they're the cheapest and you'll often, often find in these places. And blades too. You'll see maybe one or two DE blades, double-edged blades in pharmacies nowadays, uh, if not the store brand, 
you'll see one by Persona, which is the only U.S. made blade still, you know, released in this country or made in this country. And often the store brand one will be a Persona as well. They do rebrands for stores across the country. So it's coming back slowly, but surely. I've seen definitely a huge, huge uh, reawakening, if you will, over the last 10 years alone. So it, it's it's going to either like still take its time getting to where it needs to be when it comes to pop culture or like some celebrity is going to use it in a movie and boom, overnight, it's going to be a big hit. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to pop off. Yeah. So talk to me about traditional shaving. I mean, the, uh, what's the immediate appeal? Well, as I touched upon in the beginning is uh, cartridge razors are one size fits all. And we all know that we all have different skin types different whisker qualities, just unique faces when it comes to, well, being us. So using a one-size-fits-all solution, which is is hardly a solution, whenever I speak anywhere, I always ask, you know, men in the audience to raise their hands if they if they dislike shaving or if they think they have sensitive skin. That's the big question. And nine out of 10 hands always go up. How can that be? How can we all have sensitive skin? Well, we've been actually inadvertently giving it to ourselves for years by using the wrong tools for the job, by using these one-size-fits-all cartridge razors. And those really aren't the way. When it comes to safety razors or traditional shaving, you can finally, for the first time, customize the shave to your own unique face. Couldn't do that before. You just had to settle for what they gave you. We were sold a bill of goods, if you will, which comes out of the early 70s. Around 1970, 71, both, let's see, Gillette and Wilkinson Swords, the brands, they were running out of their patents for double-edged blades. So they needed to create something new. And that's when the cartridge razor uh, came into effect. It was something new. And so they went from, they both went from multi-million dollar companies to multi-billion dollar companies over, overnight when they released these things. Uh, so it was never about a better shave with these multi-blades. And, and I know the commercials are like, you know, first blade lifts, second one cuts, third blade lifts, second one cuts. And that sounds like it's giving you a quality shave. It's not. That's actually hurting you right there. You're cutting the hair way too short, so much so it drops down below the skin where it's, you know, it's, it's due to cause an infection, an ingrown hair, razor bump all those. I mean, it's just, you're giving it to yourself. That said, um, all these razor bumps and burn treatments that you see nowadays, they didn't exist before the 1970s. They created the problem and the solution to the problem they created. So, I mean, they're really banking on this. So that's, that's uh, why we gravitate or why I personally push people to move more into the traditional shaving realm, uh, especially people of color as well. Uh, lots of black men, you'll see, get the bumps ingrown hairs. If you, and if you're uh, an African-American listening to this, if you look back and just think that that's just the way it is, look back to photos of jazz musicians from the twenties and thirties and check them out. Their skin's perfectly smooth and fine. This wasn't an issue back then. We've been giving it to ourselves again. So just some food for thought when, you know, considering moving over to traditional shaving. Gotcha. So it sounds like the issue is we are getting too close of a shave. Yes, we are. With a safety razor, you're only using one blade and you control the amount of passes because every time you take a pass across your face with a blade, you're taking off a layer of skin. So the more blades you add to the mix, the more skin you're taking off. And that's why you're experiencing sensitivities. So with the safety razor, it's just one double-sided blade. Uh, you may have seen them in movies or again in the local pharmacy, but you put that into the razor. I prefer a three-piece design. There's a couple different designs of safety razors. There's a butterfly one everyone really wants when they first see it because you unscrew the handle and the silo doors on top open up to take the blade. While those are great and all, I don't necessarily think they're a starter razor. 
because that the top is very clunky, heavy, it's tough to get under the nose. So I prefer a three-piece design, which I find is a lower profile, but it's really up to you. That's another beautiful thing about this is there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's, your mileage may vary. So it's a lot of experimentation, which may seem like a pain at first, but it's actually a gift. You can really fine tune this shave to your face. There's hundreds of different blade brands out there too, and all the bevels edges are different. So you really need to hang with those, experiment with those and find the one that works for your face as well. Same goes for razors. You really just need to experiment with a few of them, see which one is yours. And then the soaps, there's brushes. It's a real rabbit hole. But once you dial it in, there is no going back and you're going to have the best shave of your life. See, now I want to get into it. But every time I think <laughs> of, of traditional razors, I think of like Sweeney Todd or the like the barbershop. Yeah. 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 These are safety razors. And the key word is safety. They came out, well, a little over 100 years ago now. Pretty much in an answer to that very thought, you know, people didn't know how to use straight razors. Uh, they weren't taught right, or they couldn't make it to the barber as much as they'd like to, because that's where you get your shave back in the day. So Gillette, King C. Gillette actually created, well, he was one of the originators of the safety razor. This, his particular design was a double edge. Uh, before that, single edge ones did did exist, but he, he really much made it a household name. And um, safety comes with the bar or the fixed angle. You don't need to rely on the angle, giving you know finding the right angle yourself as you would with a straight razor. With a safety razor, it's fixed. You, it's very difficult to screw this up. It's really holding it to your face and let it, it wants to shave you. In fact, you wouldn't use the same pressure. You, you wouldn't use any pressure as you would with a cartridge razor, which is just a bad idea in general, pressing a blade down to your face and shaving. The weight of the safety razor alone does the job for you. You just need to keep it kind of at a 30 degree angle. You'll find the angle as you're shaving because that's when it's cutting. It's yeah. Looking at these devices can be a little intimidating, but I promise you they're going to give you a far better shave at the end of the day with very, very little practice. After the first shave of the safety razor, first or second shave, you got it down. When it comes to a straight razor, you need about 50 shaves of it to 100 to really master it. Gotcha. So I am not going to Nicolas Cage face off myself. <laughs> not yet, anyways. You'll find that once you start safety razor shaving, you might get, get a barber shave and he might use a straight razor on you. Like, maybe there's something to this as well. So not to take away from straight razors, it's definitely a, a, something to learn as well. Uh, I, I do on the weekends sometimes, not, not in November, but... Uh, I do collect them. I have a vast collection of vintage razors, as I mentioned, and includes that includes straight razors, which I also use hone and, and sharpening. Keep at the ready when needed. But when you use one of those, you don't need to shave every day. That that's a very close shave, very smooth close shave when you do it right. Nice. So I've heard you use the phrase wet shaving. And what is wet shaving versus a standard, <laughs> just like a the shave? You know, it's just, it's a, it's a misnomer really. And it, it, I shouldn't be using it. I should use traditional uh, shaving as a descriptor instead, because it is confusing. When I, when I talk to people, I'm like, how many people are wet shavers? And most men think, well, I use water. So like, he must be talking about me. Yeah, I, I wet shave. While that is a form of wet shaving, it's not what I mean when I say wet shaving, which again, I wasn't there when the, uh, the reinterest in traditional shaving started up about 20 years ago on Yahoo groups, if you will. So that's what the term they started using wet shaving to differentiate between traditional shaving and cartridge razor shaving. And all that really means is you're using a brush, water, and soap to create a lather. That's indicative of wet shaving. The razor you use, be it a cartridge razor or a safety razor, doesn't really matter. That was the definition back then. That's the definition I still have in my mind. It may have changed as words do in, in uh, society, but that's what I mean when I say traditional wet shaving is I mean you're using a brush and soap. So yeah, great question there. <laughs> Thank you. Because I was like, I shave in the shower. Isn't that yeah. going to be a... <laughs> 
as do I. I actually use these in the shower. No muss, no fuss, easy cleanup. So nice. it's applicable. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you, you'd brought up, you know, all these other companies that do push cartridge razors really heavily. They kind of almost lean into that multi-razor, you know, where they're like, oh yeah, you want the executive razor? Not to yeah. name anybody's name, but uh, <laughs> they're like, it's eight blades or whatever yeah. it is. That's exactly what they do. That, and that's how, you, that's marketing at its finest. You lean into the issue and uh, make it, you reshape it, you reshape the narrative. And that's what they've been doing with this. You know, and I'm glad you brought up blades because look, let's look at blade prices too. For years, you know, <laughs> I remember in college just trying to get the most out of my cartridge razor. I'd use one blade for, I don't know, maybe a month, two, whatever. I wasn't even thinking about it. So talk about giving yourself sensitive skin and issues. I'm using this diseased piece of metal over and over again just to save a buck because back then four blades cost about $25. And to this day, they still do in, in certain situations. Since the Dollar Shave Club has hit, a lot of people are, are becoming a little more conscious of that companies are in their pricing. But for the most part, cartridges are expensive. Cartridge blades are expensive and they always have been just because they're, you know, they're price gouging. Whereas double-edged safety razor blades, you can get a hundred of those for nine to $15. If that wow. tells you anything. Yes. Yeah. So if it's not a skin issue with you, that's going to push you there. It could be a wallet issue. They're also, they're not filling up landfills. So they're better for the planet too. And that same thing goes for uh, using a brush and soap. You're not throwing this can in the landfill. So at the end of the day, it's better for your face. It's better for your wallet and it's better for the planet. So it's a no brainer actually. And also these razors are heirloom pieces. As I mentioned, my father uh, inherited this from his father and I from him. So, I mean, they, these are passed down. They're made out of metal. You talk about reusable. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. I definitely had the, uh, the dollar shave club experience mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this is a great way to buy razors. <laughs> um, and then of course I was like a cheap college kid as well. Yeah. And so if this tells you anything, I had a, like a bathroom drawer that just had a bunch of them that they send you. Cause I was like, well, I'm <laughs> yeah. not using them as often as they send them to me. Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, Hoarding number one, them. it doesn't come in very much. And then yeah. I don't shave that often. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just save all these. And then I'm like, oh, I have more razors than I do. <laughs> like, <all laughs> well, you know, me. you could trade them with people like, you know, cigarettes in prison or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You no. Know, and that's the thing is like, while you're saving money there, you know, it's great to save money, right? When you can, but so what if you're still using the wrong tool for the job at the end of the day? And a lot of people don't make that connection ever because they don't really give much thought to shaving. It's just one more thing they have to do during the course of the day, like brushing your teeth. But once you start thinking about it differently, like this is the first time in history, men really have had permission, if you will, to talk about these kind of things like pampering, the shave, like traditional shaving is about hot lather. It's soothing. It's time to yourself, maybe, you know, 10, 10 minutes to an hour, however much time you want to put into it. Cause there's a whole process, but it's soothing. It's relaxing. Other folks have compared it to green tea ceremony and it's meditative, experience so it's just different once you start thinking about it differently and once you start applying some of these techniques and learning them and again it, it, when i talk about it in such lofty ways it sounds like it's oh god I, it's a time investment here but trust me that's just me being flowery once you get into it it's really becomes old hat real quick and you got it down nice now the one we haven't talked about and this is the way i started when i was like you know 14 because it's what uh my father still to this day uses electric shaver an electric shaver <laughs> yes those are horrible they, they i mean have you used one of those as well yeah pulls the hair out of your your yeah. face at some points you know it's it's not very forgiving while it may be fast 
it's not going to give you a great uh, shave and it's not going to do your skin any favors either with that pulling and, and pushing and what it does because those blades do dull really fast those foil blades they're not the best design and actually interestingly enough those are created by Schick Schick was uh, one of the early makers of razors back in the day the Schick injector razor and he took all the money and, but his goal was just to raise a bunch of money to create what he you know the electric razor which didn't really exist at that time so he you know created a great razor and he cashed in on this electric razor. And, he, and back then, 75 years ago, they weren't even as great as they are now, but they're still not the best thing for your face. And they may seem like, you know, everyone's about time, saving time, time. But trust me, we're coming at this more in a tactile way, in a more soothing, relaxing way. Hot lather. I can't stress that enough. You don't get that from that go, go, go electric shave. That you see people in the car doing it. It's not a good shave. It's the five o'clock shadow appears for most people within the hour. And it's just not good for your skin to have those little pull pulling actions happening at different points. That also can cause for pimples, ingrown hairs, bumps, and just, it, it, it's very problematic in the long run. Yeah, I, I uh, stopped using it because I it made me hate shaving because I'm like, I have this yes. nightmarish razor burn all the time. And that was, that was enough for me to give it up. And then I switched to a hand razor, the cartridge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is, this is much nicer. This is a more pleasant yeah. experience. Yeah. And I, I once after that tried to use an electric razor cause I was in a hurry yeah. and I it, like, I was just red all yeah. over. Cause I'm like, this yeah. is, this hurts a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not worth it in the long run. Yeah. I mean, that's enough for me to give up things right there. Like the the less (laughs) razor burn I can get, the easier you'll sell me on it. You know, and that's the, you know, that experience that you bring up with electric shavers, the one I talk about with the cartridge razors, the reason why we're seeing so many men growing beards these days, why it's become so popular in the last 15 years is because we've gotten to this point in history where people absolutely hate shaving. And again, this is brought on by using the wrong tools for the job. I saw a study by Gillette a few years ago and they were saying like, yeah, the beard culture is really, you know, cutting into our profit margins, yada, yada, yada. But in all actuality, it's not only the beard culture, it's also safety razor culture, the traditional shaving. A lot of people are going back to that. And Gillette knows this because they own actually our P&G, P&G, the company that owns Gillette also owns Art of Shaving in the malls. So they're aware of the safety razor culture too, but they won't mention it, especially in studies like this, because as soon as they do, Ears prick up and people are like, wait, what did you just say? And then they they don't want to deter people from that. So they just want to mention the beards of what's doing it. But in all actuality, it's uh, it's just their faulty, crappy razors that are causing this beard culture. But yeah, it sounds like the reason to to sell pre-shave and during shave and post-shave gels, yeah. like, you know, I as I said, I obviously belong to a very specific club. <laughs> um <laughs> And so it's like, yeah, I have all those where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got a pre, I have a during, I have a post. Yeah. There's a whole, a whole. Although there is argument, there is good argument for using a pre-shave, but it's going to be the right type of pre-shave. I'll see pre-shave oils being used and whatnot. And depending what the, the ingredients are in those, they can, you know, kill lather. They can gunk up the razor. They can cause uh, breakouts too. I mean, like I, I'm not a huge fan of, of uh, pre-shave oils. The pre-shaved soap is another story that we can go down that route or whatnot, but there is there is good reason to use some of those products. Like I said, um, traditional shaving is about, aside from a great shave, but pampering yourself. So there are like products like that that really work in that case. But uh, yeah, when it comes to cartridges, they're always trying to sell you Band-Aids, if you will. <laughs> yeah. 
absolutely i mean the stuff i was using kind of feels like sand in a way yeah yeah is that how it's supposed to feel if i'm using a correct no, no. that might be an exfoliating uh, an exfoliating product i see a lot of the exfoliating products pushed on men these days too and actually there's nothing more exfoliating than shaving <laughs> you know? and uh not only that but when you use a shaving brush too that's a natural exfoliating action and stimulates the skin as well so if you're into exfoliating i highly suggest you move away from those products and just stick to shaving we and using a safety razor and a brush uh rather than those products and you often see men walking the street with really shiny foreheads or noses that is a result from over exfoliation yeah. so keep that in mind if you're seeing that not sure where that's coming from to your listening audience <laughs> yeah yeah interesting so the safety razor market exists why jump into it well it didn't exist real i mean it was very I, it's a long story. Uh, let's see. I began, this all begins in a hammock somewhere in Central America where I lived for about four years in a hammock in the rainforest. Um, okay. I moved down there without knowing the language or anybody. Like I said, it's a long story. But while I was down there living in said hammock, I uh, was getting bit by sand fleas every day between the hours of like five and six. They would come out, never failed, and go directly towards me. And there was no products to really treat those, but you know, I don't mind getting bites. It's just the itching afterwards. That's the bad part, especially when you're living in a jungle where everything wants to grow in you or on you. So in lieu of getting an infection, I was looking for something like a anti-itch cream or an afterbite solution. None of these things existed or I couldn't be found anyways in the village I was living in. So I had to create my own. And uh, so at the local pharmacy, I picked up some essential oils and different, just different chemicals to try to build my own afterbite after itch uh, type solution. And I did. And it worked so well. Locals and even fellow tourists were knocking on my tent flaps, I guess you could say, uh, looking for some. And again, I just made this for myself. No intent on selling it ever or any of that. And, uh, you know, I would joke around in the, you know, while swinging my hammock, thinking like, if I ever make my way back to the United States, I'm going to sell this. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Four years later, I found myself back in the United States and I came back to a different world where this thing called Etsy existed, which pretty much lowered you know, the, the bar, or not necessarily the bar, but lowered the, uh, it flattened the playing field, you, you could say, for everyone else. Suddenly you could find packaging, uh, you could find platforms where you could sell this stuff. And so I was like, okay, I can actually try this. This is, you know, and I don't have to put too much in when it comes to investing in, you know, starting a new business. So I was creating what I called itch no mas. In fact, I called it that down there as a joke and um, it stuck. So I was making itch no mas and I made a sister product too called stink no mas, which was an emergency insect repellent slash deodorant. And it came in, I made it in like these little oval lip balm containers, you know, and you could use that when you're on the go down there. And as you sweat, your, your body heat would uh, release the essential oils into the air that would repel bugs. And that actually sold better than stink, uh, than Ichnomas. They both sold well. However, I was losing money on the shipping. So after the first six months, I was like, I really need to focus on the United States and what I can do up here. And in that time I had a blog called how to grow a mustache. I was really, it was just to, I wanted to sell ads for that, but eventually I realized I was, you know, being new, I was going to make more money, selling my own products. Uh, which at the time was a mustache wax. I also created that worked really, really well. Still does. And slowly but surely, I moved over to you know traditional shaving. I was already doing traditional shaving and in love with it in the process, but I couldn't find a bay rum scented shave soap. Just didn't exist. Uh, and I was a huge fan of bay rum, so I made started uh, toying around with making my own shaving soap. Uh, my girlfriend was at the time also. She actually had a 
she was getting into soap making and I had taken some uh, classes in college, one credit classes in college, along with like rollerblading, which was also a one credit class. But um, so I was familiar with the process and I was experimenting with that. Finally created one. I was writing for this blog at the time, also another blog called Sharpologist. It's a male grooming blog. So I sent the, the owner of that, one of my soaps, and I sent another friend in the industry, one of my soaps that I had met through the blogs. And um, they loved them. Both of them, without speaking to each other, asked me, when is this going on sale? So the wheels started turning like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this is one way I could get people to come back to my blog. So I wasn't even thinking about selling soap for soap's sake. I was thinking about just traffic to the blog. So that's how it kind of happened. It was totally just not trying. And this is typically how it works. When you're not looking for something, you find it. So once more, in a nutshell, that's the quick, easy story on how it came to be. But it was really a welcomed accident at the end of the day. Wow. Sounds like, I mean, quite the journey, but uh, also, <laughs> really some, also some products I definitely need because yeah. <laughs> uh, I am mosquito bait. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't make... Uh, the it's no moss anymore, but I do make the deodorant still. It's not called stink no moss, however, it's called uh, outdoorsman's friend. And I release it every spring, summer. So it's a seasonal release. I actually did candles as well, matching candles this year too, in, in a tin that you could bring with you. But um, it's very effective. It really, I've been doing deodorant for so long, it seems now that I, I really have it dialed in. People love them. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Corner the market one of these days. <laughs> Almost, you know, there's when we began, we were one of maybe five artisans. Now there's over 300. So it really, it's just, we got in at the right time. But, uh, and again, we, we make collections. We're not just making shapes open after shape. We, we do it all, you know, deodorants, body soap, shampoo, so on and so forth. So you can really just like, uh, use all these complimenting scents when you're walking out before you walk out the door. Nice. So speaking to shaving and obviously I need to, uh, correct the way that I shave because <laughs> I am still doing it with cartridge razors. Yes. Yes. So if I want to start out, we'll, we'll just say I buy entirely through you because that's a good <laughs> plug. What do I buy and what do I need to do? Well, I would recommend if you're listening to this, uh, go to how to wetshave.com. That will take you to a how to video that I made using our starter kit. We sell a bunch of starter kits. I can't say a variety of starter kits. It's all the same starter kit. The only thing that's different is the scent in each one. But I would recommend picking up one of our starter kits and chatting with me maybe first if you're interested in scents or at least using the, the scent chart on our menu to find something that you like first. But that's really the best place to begin. That will come with you know, two and a half months worth of blades, actually three months worth of blades, depending on how many times you, you shave a week, a safety razor, um, shave soap, and aftershave along with a brush and that's what you need you need the safety and whether you use our starter kit or not what you're going to need is a shaving brush a shave puck or shave soap and, and a safety razor and a pack of blades and i i include two different types of blade brands in my starter kit just because i want you experimenting finding what, which one works best for you but they all are all, we also sell sample packs of blades with multiple brands in there uh you can also find other ones online on amazon too if you want to go there uh but i just highly recommend that you hang with different blade brands week after week, maybe taking note on the packaging and whatnot, which one feels better on your face, which one gives you a closer shave, uh, which one causes agitation, which one doesn't cause irritation, stuff like that. And again, it sounds like a lot of work, but it really isn't. Just at the end of your shave, you just rate it from one to 10, the blade, and keep that in mind. And you're gonna eventually find a blade that works the best with your face. Um, now, but remember this, because in case you pick up another razor too, because that kind of gets addictive, finding the right razor. 
your favorite blade in one razor may not be your favorite blade in another razor because the geometry of razors change too. That'll change the angle of the blade. And, you know, so, I mean, it's always this like experimentation that happens there and which is a lot of fun for a lot of us, especially during COVID when we're stuck in the house, you know? So a lot of people have been experimenting with this, I find, but yeah, that's what you need to begin. I'll tell you this, you know, when I'll give you the steps actually. So once you do have these tools at hand, take the soap, Put a little hot water on top of it. It'll soften the soap. It'll also boost the fragrance. Because again, like body heat boosted the fragrances of my deodorant, water, well, you can dry heat it too, but we'll stick with hot water now. That will boost the essential oils into the air of the bathroom and just fill up your entire bathroom with this fragrance, which is addictive. Let that sit on it for five minutes while you take a shower or whatever. And then uh, dump out that water with a wet brush. Do a few swirls on top of the soap. This is called loading the brush. You don't build a lather in the tub. You load the brush and then you move the brush over to a bowl or to your face to build up a lather, adding water as needed to get some volume to it. Uh, once you're there, you take the razor and you do the first pass. You can do up, you know, at the very least two passes, but most people do three to four passes, but that really depends on you and your skin type and your hair. Maybe you just need to do one pass, but lather up and then do the first pass with the grain, you know, all over your face with the grain and then rinse and repeat re-lather and then go across the grain in one direction rinse and repeat then maybe go across the grain the other way and then finally for the fourth pass you can do the dreaded against the grain you know everyone's don't shave against the grain you hear that a lot but that kind of that mode of thought rather comes out of cartridge razors with cartridge razors you don't need to go against the grain because they already shave so close with safety razors you can it's very safe to go against the grain you may or may not want to but at least try it Another thing to keep in mind when you're doing this is most people will chase a baby butt smooth shave. That means they'll do, you know, however many passes they need to do, but then do some touch up passes because they still feel hair there. Don't fall for that trick. That's your hair trying to trick you. Your whiskers will fill up with at least 30% of their own body weight with, uh, with water or hair weight with whisker weight, if you will, with water. So they're, they're bulbous and they're bloated. And they're not going to be that way an hour or half an hour after your shave. They're going to go back down to size. And chances are you have a smooth shave. It's only when we start chasing that shave, thinking that their hair is still there, that we're going to give ourselves irritation and, and whatnot. And a too close of a shave, if you will. It's trying to trick you. Because that's what lather is all about. The only reason why we lather up, while it is for you know lubrication or slickness, it's really to hold water to your face. The water in the soap, the hair is sucking that up and sucking that in. That's why we do that. It softens the hair. It makes it, fat, it makes it fatter and easier target for the blade. You don't hear that explained that often, but that's what's really going on there. So, and that's what you have to keep in mind when shaving. Don't necessarily fall for the hair trying to trick you like it's still there. Give it a half an hour and I guarantee it goes down. And you probably have a damn fine shave, if not that, a baby butt smooth shave. Nice. That explains a lot <laughs> about the way that I shave and the things I'm doing wrong. Yeah, we fall for that a lot. We all do, you know? Yeah. The way you explained it, I mean, is that kind of just the best practice? Best practice. That's the, that's the standard place to start. And from there, like just use what I'm saying as like a guidepost or maybe just a model or a blueprint, but it's not necessarily, you know, you could find your own way of doing this that works better for you, but this is just a good place to start and then go off on your own, in your own directions, but always have a place to come back to if those, you know, journeys brought you to not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm thinking about like, ah, oh, I need to get on this because I am tired of having razor burn. What is the purpose of aftershave? Ah, that's a great question. Aftershave actually is to, well, it's an antiseptic. 
That's the original intent and reason for creating aftershave was for, to be an antiseptic. Because back in the day, people were actually dying from shaving, leaving the barber shop, whatnot. They'd get a tiny nick they couldn't see. That and due to using dirty tools or the same towel, the same brushes used on another customer or client, uh, they were getting infections or whatever. They get just getting infections due to these small cuts. So people were dying. You know, a fine example of that is Walden Pond. Uh, Henry David Thoreau would not have written Walden Pond had his brother not died because of that very reason. He went to the barber, got an abscess, it got infected, and he died from that. So. Uh, forlorn feeling uh, Thoreau made his way into the woods to write this masterpiece. So I guess something good did come out of that. But aside from Walden Pond, aftershave also came out of that. Granted, aftershave has been used for thousands of years. The Romans had a, a recipe that involved, uh, let's see, spider webs were, were on the ingredient list for that. I don't know. But uh, there's that. But the real reason why it returns in modern times is that it was saving lives. And fragrance, in fact, was very secondary. It was really just an afterthought. And that's why if you, I collect vintage aftershaves too. And so you may not know this, but back in the day, aftershaves, they, the scent on them lasted maybe 10, 30 minutes. So as not to compete with the cologne or anything else, but just really, it was just something fresh to use while you were using it. It had nothing to do with finding your fragrance or your signature scent and using it all day. Nowadays, one thing that we do and sets us apart is I created an aftershave cologne. So it has all the great face-saving ingredients of a modern aftershave, but with all-day staying power of a traditional cologne, which you didn't see that often. So we do things very differently at Phoenix Shaving. You'll come to find out as you start exploring traditional shaving. But um, that's one thing I, we'd like, we wanted to change up. But yeah, primarily it was an antiseptic. Okay. That makes sense. I always just think back to the um, Kevin McAllister Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. That's what we always get. Yeah. You can slap it on like that too. Uh, you know, I've said this in the past, it parallels the human addiction for hot sauce. I don't know why we bring that pain upon ourselves, but it's the same thing with aftershaves. It becomes addictive that burn and then it cools down. And just the nature of aftershave, the, the ratios of water to alcohol, just that dry down feeling is really just something we crave. So there is that. I can't explain why we, we yearn for that, but we do. And there's other people that don't use aftershaves. They just use bombs nowadays because we are using, we're in cleaner times, if you will. So it's not necessarily about being antiseptic anymore, especially when you're shaving at home. But uh, there are people that use bombs. They find it to be better for their skin. And, you know, it's really your mileage may vary at the end of the day. Yeah, that may become my next addiction problem since I have such a hot sauce problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm telling you because, I mean, we make close to 70 different scents. Some of these, you know, are traditional scents. We also like to reboot long lost scents from the past that are no longer sold because I look at myself as like a scent archaeologist, you know, out there saving lost scents that need to be in a museum, not necessarily in a museum, but in your, you know, shaved in scents that do no, no longer exist. Uh, it's very important to bring back razor designs. But back to the, the fragrances, we also do like food scents too. Like this, especially during the holiday season, we have a Christmas cookie scent coming out, a gingerbread. A lot of this is mixed with bay rum scents too, which share a lot of the same similar spices. So it's not really much of a stretch, but so you could be shaving with, we actually do a, a ramen noodle one too, every now and then that smells like you're shaving with ramen noodles. So, I mean, it really is collecting all, it's just a whole different rabbit hole to tumble into. And the, you know, what you end up with in the end, when it comes to components to your shave are going to be totally and completely unique to you. Yeah. The most important question I have come across yet in my brain for this interview, <laughs> you are not making people forage for spider webs, right? No, not at this point. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> so I'm like, yeah, if, we, if we get back there, I don't know what. Yeah, you know, what I don't know do what they myself. were thinking. I mean, this is like, you know, I don't this, this is the Romans. I mean, when in Rome, though, I mean, when in Rome, you may may need to do that. But at, outside of there, don't you put spider webs on your face. <laughs> Unless that's what you're into. I mean, there's, it might be spiderwebface.com. You know, don't don't Google that, folks. You don't want that in your history, but it right. could exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what is like the big difference between, you know, getting a good shave on our face versus like someone who shaves their head or anywhere else on the body? There's no difference, really. I mean, the, the only difference is this is what people see first. Aside from men need to exfoliate, I've also seen like men's style, like these consultants you can hire to tell you how to be a man or dress like a man or whatnot. And um, the fashion ones especially crack me up because you'll see this guy dressed to the nines, dressed really well. Uh, but his face, you see all these, you know, the, the blood spots, the ingrown hairs, all that stuff. People seem to forget that. You know, male grooming is an extension of fashion, your own personal fashion and style too. So they often get the clothing right, uh, but get it wrong on their face, uh, either with beards, they get the neck beard going because beards are in style, but, or the mustache wax, they have these like, you know, buggish insectoid looking pointy, you know, handlebar mustaches. They get that wrong too. And because they're learning from the wrong places, they're learning from, you know, competition shows on TV about facial hair. And those guys are on stage trying to get your attention. So they have all these wacky, eccentric things they're doing with mustache wax. But traditionally, even mustache wax, very little is used. It shouldn't look insectoid or pointy. It should just be a bend in the mustache. So we often get it wrong when we stop thinking about this as just a chore and not an extension of our own personal style. That makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Obviously, I don't shave my head, but I have some (laughs) I have some friends that do. And I was just thinking like, can you do that with a safety razor? Yes. I highly recommend it. Actually. It makes for a better shave on your head. You don't have to shave as much. And it's, it's, you know, and if they have any questions on that, there's plenty of YouTube tutorials of guys doing that, but there are plenty of head shavers. And for women, there are women that even use straight razors on their legs. So yeah, it's, and they actually have more surface area to cover. So yes, I would highly recommend a uh, safety razor. Okay. See, it's with a long handle. If you're a woman listening, the longer the handle when it comes to a safety razor, the better the shave. The more control you'll have over it. Okay. See, there's an important point that I was not going to ask about. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys have all kinds of products too. We with shaving. We we've kind of approached in a very different way as most people do when it comes to starting a business. We uh, created not only you know products but also a Phoenix shaving universe of characters and stories and the labels that we have are kind of like portals or windows into that universe. There's like uh, anagrams, symbols, you know, just stuff hidden in there, kind of like a Beatles album cover uh, that helps propel the narrative that we've been telling with different releases. I, I write sci-fi fantasy stories too, ongoing sagas. So characters come and go, return, leave, die off. So it's like this whole world we've created that, kind of formed a cult following around it. So people not only are into the shaving, they're also into the story we're telling and the characters and just this whole fandom. And um, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it when you're selling it to Netflix. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm, I Actually, we just published a book, the last one. So this is like part 10 of the story that's that's been going on and on. And I finally took to publishing the, recent, the most recent one in uh, – People are freaking out. <laughs> they love it. I've been doing books at different uh, traditional shaving meetups, you know, where you would normally or historically sell product. I'm now doing book signings, so it's really like 
it's kind of turned in on itself, like this niche in this industry. People, you know, that complain about you know running out of ideas and whatnot are, are really just they're not creatives, I guess, because there's a million ideas out there. There's a million angles and directions to go when it comes to your everyday, you know, shave routine. <laughs> it's really just a way to get more out of it. And uh, a lot of people would be surprised. Yeah. Sounds incredible. And thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. I appreciate it immensely. It's been a blast, Colton. Yeah, I'm glad. So why don't you give it one good plug for uh, everybody that's listening that hasn't been paying enough attention and needs to know where to go. (laughs) Yes, please go to phoenixshaving.com for all your male grooming. And we also do offer beard stuff as well, but all your grooming needs. Use the chat if you need to, if you have any questions, because it's not a bot. It's actually me or my partner answering questions all day long. And this is our passion. This is something we could talk about uh, endlessly. There's that. There's also uh, our show that I do on YouTube called I'd Lather Be Shaving. I'd latherbeshaving.com. It's kind of like if, if your listeners are old enough to remember, actually, this might still come on NPR, but Car Talk. It's kind of in the same vein as Car Talk where you don't need to be interested in cars to get a kick out of it and to want to listen and learn more history on shaving. Or It's, it's a laugh a minute too. Don't get me wrong. So that can be found at idlatherbeshaving.com. We also do a conference every year. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been, well, the last year it was canceled, obviously, for COVID, but it's called the Big Shave Swest Southwest, bigshaveswest.com. And that's it's kind of like the Lollapalooza of shaving. And, uh, you know, different platforms throughout the day are people, uh, you know, roundtable discussions, different artisans and vendors we bring together. It's just a, not only a day of all this, but the week leading up to it, when people arrive at different times, we have, I provide tours to like Tombstone, Arizona, different ghost towns around, to, uh, old Tucson movie studios. We just try to keep people entertained. The cigar nights. It's really just kind of epic. So that's bigshaveswest.com. Sign up, go there, get on the mailing list. So when that does happen again, you you can check it out. And you'd be, <laughs> it sounds crazy saying there's an expo to traditional shaving, but I'm telling you, it's really a world unto itself that most people find fascinating once they, they get themselves in there. So yes, phoenixshaving.com is definitely the first place to go. Douglas Smythe is my name. Any questions you have, I'm always available. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Colton. Shave on. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I hope you've enjoyed yourself and you'll come back for much, much more. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you'll always know when new episodes drop. Leave us a review on iTunes if you would pretty, pretty please. Tell your friends and family about us. And overall, just thank you for listening. Without each and every person that has come by and listened to the episodes and told me about how much they've enjoyed them, There's no way I'd be a featured podcast right now. It's incredible to just be out of my second month, just barely, and I'm already getting news like this. It feels huge, so thank you everyone so much. And a big thanks to the uh, couple of fans that got together with me in Florida. That was a fun time down at uh, Captain Eddie's, where I had the best cheesecake I'll never ever have again. Alright, I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.